On this episode of Why Whiskey, we're going to talk about Father's Day. I'm going to give you a brief history about Father's Day, where it came from, and how it started. After that, I'm going to sit down at a table with my father and my brother, and we are going to talk about being dads. We're going to celebrate moments with our father. We're going to celebrate the moments of being fathers, and I encourage you to come in and listen to our conversation. This will not be a normal episode. It's a little light on the history, but pretty heavy on the conversation about fathers. Greetings, friends. This is Why Whiskey, a history podcast with a whiskey problem. Or is it a whiskey podcast with a history problem? We'll let you decide. Head on up to the bar, grab a stool and a drink, and let's talk. Father's Day, so we are doing a Father's Day celebration. Now, for those of you who listen to the morning show and Why Whiskey, I'm going to save you some time. It's the same recording. The only thing different is the music. So don't waste your time. Listen to this one or that one. It doesn't matter, but it's literally the same recording. I'm double dipping today to kind of save time so we all can go out and celebrate with our families here in a little bit. So joining me today, I've got my little brother, Joshua. And hello, our hello. father, Mike. Hi, hi. Hi, Dad. So it's Father's Day. Uh, let's let's do before we get into uh, uh, some really embarrassing stories and wonderful recollections of, of uh, our father <laughs> oh, and being uh, fathers. Uh, let's let's talk about the history of Father's Day for just a second. The history of Father's Day. Father's Day would not be a thing if it weren't for two particular women. Now some. Uh, some folks like to lean into uh, this big mining accident in the early uh, 20th century in West Virginia, and, and there was a, a church service that memorialized uh, the victims of, of that mining accident, uh, but that, that wouldn't be the case. That never caught, uh, outside of West Virginia, never really caught steam and, and got rolling. However, a young lady by the name of Sonora Louise Smart Dodd from Spokane, Washington, decided that her dad, a Civil War veteran, needed to be celebrated. He was a single father. There were six kids. So she goes on a campaign. And in a very short amount of time, like four years, she uh, gets the attention of the president, who then at Woodrow Wilson says, hey, uh, you know, he actually uh, called, well, not called in, uh, somehow uh, delivered a message at the opening uh, of this church service to celebrate Father's Day. But it never became an official thing. So it goes through struggles through the Senate and the House and all these things. Uh, until a lady, a senator from Maine, by the name of Margaret Chase Smith, 
stands up on the Senate floor and says, hey, this ain't okay. We're celebrating moms. Now, now up until this point, uh, the Senate and the House didn't want to because Mother's Day had just gotten like an official recognition and become a thing. So they're like, hey, if we throw dads in there right now, it's going to look like we're, you know, kind of not valuing the women as much. And so they, they just kind of put it off and put it off until uh, Senator Smith comes up and says, hey, no, this is not okay. Uh, there's two parents uh, that are responsible for children. We need to recognize the dads too. And sure enough, uh, here we go. Lyndon Johnson, uh, by executive order in 66, declares Father's Day a thing. And now it's not until 72, uh, as, a, as a re-election thing, uh, Nixon makes it like a permanent holiday, like a for real thing. Uh, and it's the third Sunday of every June. And here it is where we're now. Now, uh, Dodd, you remember she's the, she was the daughter of the, the guy who started the whole thing. She's alive to see this all happen. So from her efforts, uh, as a little girl in Spokane, Washington, she gets to see Nixon make this a national holiday, uh, in, uh, 1972, she would die later in 1978. So there is the history of father's day. Now there's a lot more, uh, you know, finite details and all that story but everybody got the gist of of where it came from and how it started right so mm -hmm. uh flash to bang it was a lot faster than mother's day because mother's day actually started in the late uh 19th century um right after the civil war all those efforts started for mother's day and then uh it took hold about 40 years before then so uh so that's that's the history piece so father's day what do we think about father's day dad as the first father in this group, what do you feel? How do you feel about Father's Day? Uh, it, it's it's kind of a a, a mixed thing, uh, you know. I, I it's it's so much different than like a birthday. I, you know, it's like you have your birthday, and it you know it just you're you're geared up for you know, all the stuff that comes with your birthday, but, but the father's day thing is, is different. It, it, it almost feels a little bit like birthday, but it, it's really not. And I guess that's what, why I feel a little bit wonky. I mean, um, about it, uh, you know, it, it's not something that I necessarily look forward to. I, I do if, you know, the, the kids are going to be around, then that's, that's great. And to be with the kids is, is, uh, superb. Uh, that's always a good time, whether it's father's day or not. So uh, it's, it's a little, it's a little strange, I think, uh, as a father, I, I, I don't know why that's just, and maybe I'm just this oddball about it, but I, as I'm sure we'll probably hear, uh, how much of an oddball I am uh, as we go along in this broadcast. So, but anyway, um, that's, so uh, that's, that's some legitimate foreshadowing right there. Just, just so yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I can only, I can only imagine. <laughs> so, so that, that's how, I, I mean, what, what do you guys, I mean, you're both fathers. So, I mean, how, how does this day square with you? I mean, cause I, I would think you'd be pulled, um, you know, you have children of your own, so there's that fathers and then you have uh, obviously me so it's it's kind of like you know you're you're pulled in a couple of different directions on this particular day so how does how does that work in your brain uh, i know for me that uh um there there's almost like two sides of it it's very much just another day like i got up the same way i usually do every day and 
got moving around and I know I have things I got to do around the house that I don't want to do, but I have to do it. But, <laughs> but at the same time, it's, um, it's one of those things, especially when, you know, the kids remind me, you know, of course my kids, you know, whenever it is father's day, they say, Oh, you're the best dad ever. And, and like, you know, I'm like, Oh, that's so sweet. But I'm thinking like, yeah, but I'm your only dad. So, <laughs> I mean, where's, where's your frame of reference? But I mean, you the know. test bed is shallow. <laughs> right. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, there, there is a sense where I feel, um, I feel very proud to be a father. Um, but then it still feels like a normal day. And, um, but then at the same time, getting to spend chunks of that day with my father and, and celebrate him, that's, um, that, that it's almost as a equally enjoyable part as well. I struggle with these types of holidays, um, on, on a, a couple different levels, uh, because this, this is one of those ones along with like mother's day where I, I appreciate uh, the the intent, and I appreciate where it came from and how it became a thing. and And our our parents are absolutely worthy of recognition. But to to just kind of close that down onto one single day is frustrating to me. Um, and then the the social obligation that comes with that is <laughs> is a is a pain in the ass, right? Um, no, I'm I'm going to celebrate my parents every day. I'm not going to celebrate them on this particular day because you tell me I should, right? Um, uh, fuck you, Hallmark. Uh, I, I, I love my dad every day and my mom, you know? Uh, and I tell them that regularly. Probably not enough, but regularly. So so I'm, I'm kind of drawn um, as as a dad. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, that's, that frame of mind kind of pushes me along that, that same line with my kids, you know? Um, and... It, it is it is cool, uh, you know, to to get the the hugs and the the Facebook shout outs because I have adult children now, and that's kind of like how they they uh, they do that. So, uh, you know, but at the same time, it's just one of those. Um, it it's it's good. Um, I I enjoy it, but I also I I have never been able to accept compliments well. I I haven't. Um, I, I've never have, you know, Hey, uh, this is awesome. You're great. We love you. Da, 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 da. And then my career has been the same way. You know, you get the, you know, the, here's, here's this thing that you're getting from this person and uh, you know, uh, 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 thanks. Uh, you, you know, I, yeah, I don't know how to, I don't know how to accept right. any. So, and this is just another one of those things where that appreciation, that love comes out. And I, uh, you know, I, I'm just awkward. Yeah. You know, high five. Do we hug? What do we do? Like, what's the right response here? I, I don't know. You know, well, the- no, you can't hug anymore. Yeah, really. Hug Bullshit. I live with these people. <laughs> they have been uh, in this house more so than anybody else. I get to hug anybody. Oh, yeah. No question. The yeah. people you, you you live with, absolutely. Hugs yeah. around. <laughs> right on. So, all right. So, well, good. I, oh, I'm sorry. glad I'm not the only one. I, I, so, I'm glad I'm not the only one that kind of, you know, is a little wonky on, on this day. So, I, I, I'm approaching normal a little bit more although if you guys are my test group then i'm not sure normal is the right word nope okay so so that's going to take us into our first uh first question or topic or whatever so we are going to give uh a good dad story so uh so we'll start with josh uh and then i'll i'll 
share my good dad story. And then dad, you're going to, you'll do a story about grandpa. So, okay. So we're going to go with a good, we're going to go with a good dad story. So Joshua. Now this, this is a good memory story, right? I mean, yeah, yes. Okay. Okay. So, okay. so just, okay, well, just so right. you're ready, the, the follow up okay. to this is your most memorable moment. Oh, so, so use that to kind of frame where we're going. Okay. Cause I know we all, all have right. a so, bunch of good stories. Right. Um, one that I find, uh, I find myself remembering quite often was a good story that came out of a bad situation. We, at least all of us know that for years, dad had planned an Isle Royal trip. So we heard about it first forever ago, took forever for it to finally happen. And so the first trip there were, were what, like three days into it. I end up getting a fish hook stuck in my hand, and sure enough, that the the hook was like gone in my hand, so absolutely gone. So we had to completely rethink the trip. So after half of our group left, it was just me and Dad. We had to wait for the ferry to come out, and then we were going to take the ferry back to the main uh, harbor and all that other stuff. We had like two days, and. At right. that point in time, I had been out of the house for quite a while, and I think that was the most time I had ever spent with Dad alone. And, like, the first couple of hours, not going to lie, were a little awkward. But, <laughs> like, no, it was it was strange. But, like, you know, but as, as time went on, because I think we had a good day and a half before the yeah. ferry would come and get us. So we had all yeah. kinds of time. So we did this little day hike. We... We hung out at the campsite, you know, we, you know, we talked, we, you know, you know, we just had this extra time that was just us that I don't think that he and I had, um, dare I say ever, um, but definitely in a, an exceptionally long time. And then we had this, I think a good 45 minute ferry ride back to the main Harbor and, you know, just this calm, serene, and we got to see, um, the north side of the island, and I mean, just all kinds of stuff that just, it made getting injured <laughs> worth it. <laughs> so, I mean, so, and so, like, granted, there are times where I think back to that situation, and I think more of the negative stuff than the than the positive stuff, um, but then I, I reevaluate, and I go, hey, that time actually maybe getting hooked was probably one of the best things that could have happened, because then I had a this time with my father that I probably wouldn't have had any other time. So hell yeah. There's so many memories and, and I mean, shit, we could do an episode about the Island just by itself, you know? Uh, right. yeah. Our, our memories of that incident, Joshua are very different. Just so you know, I didn't I'm get, sure I didn't get are. to chill out in a cabin for two days. I, I had to haul your shit across the Island. Freaking. What are you talking about? I had down the big ferry. Uh, can I, to, can I, to hold on, hold on. We had to flag down the big ferry. We had to make arrangements to get you back to the mainland, uh, touting it as a medical emergency for you to get to the emergency room in Houghton, and they gave you a fucking band aid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm, I'm sorry. But that's I, yeah. I don't know that I've ever ever said this out loud to anyone, but um, I was so very glad that you got the hook in your hand. 
um, because it meant that I didn't have to hike back up over the ridge, <laughs> which I thought was going to kill me. I mean, oh, I, I, I was, uh, I, I have, those were my first visions of death. Uh, was the first couple of days on that hike. So anyway, well, it didn't help. Um, do you remember that there that freaking big dude who at Chicken Bone Lake, right? Because we were at uh, uh, wasn't Mosky. It was um, uh, where were we, Josh? When we got where? What, what was the the campsite when you got hooked? Where was that? Uh, McCargo uh, Cove. Cove, right? Yeah. So so Chicken Bone was like uh, that was the where we stopped the night before. Um, right. Do you remember? Lake. Yeah. Well, we were at McCargo. That freaking big dude who probably had no business hiking on the island got super sick, and they had to like cart him off yes. on that freaking wheelie gurney thing. Like, yeah. the, do you remember that? So I remember like that. This all happened at the same time, and and that I'm sure did not help your mental state, Dad, whatsoever. Uh, and that hill was a bitch because because we definitely had to go yeah. back up out of that thing. And that was, yeah. But we yeah. <laughs> we we were kind of dumb on that trip. We it was a lot of lessons learned. Uh, Oh no! There we was were super serious, green, so. serious stupidity. It wasn't dumbness. It was just serious stupidity on my part more than anybody else's. I mean, to think that you know I could have sixty-five pounds on my back, fifteen of which was beef jerky. I mean, you know, <laughs> which was which. I, even if I was healthy enough to do the hike as we originally planned, I couldn't have eaten all of that. Okay. I, I, it just couldn't, and every, and I think everybody had nearly fifteen pounds of beef jerky. Uh, it was ridiculous, but anyway. And the only guy that finished it, I think, was Matthew. Right. Yeah, uh, I had, I had at least three bags, unopened, after the trip. Okay. At least three bags. So I had beef jerky snacks for the following like four weeks. So I was, I was squared away. But, but here's the thing, though. Out of all that beef jerky. I have this to go back on with that. It was probably some of the best beef jerky I've ever had. Yeah. Hands no, down. No question about it. Hands down. I've never eaten it since. <laughs> <laughs> I, I live about 10 miles from the place where we got it, and I've never been back since because it Cause, just cause it puts conjures a bad up in your mouth. <laughs> This yeah, an, an island episode might just be something we have to do and, and go over. We'll we could pull in uh, uh, Matthew and Mike and and do a, oh a, a no shit uh, there we were episode about yeah. Isle Royal. So Dad, give us give us a good dad story for for you and your dad. Um, well it it wasn't good at the time, uh, but now that I look back over it, it was no. <laughs> No, I, I can't say that. <laughs> I I mean it. Uh, oh gosh. I it. Uh, I think you need to turn your editing equipment down, Dad. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, uh, this this will go under memorable. I because it, it it probably it wasn't good at the time uh, for either one of us. Um, uh, dad, uh, was a school teacher. So, uh, he had summers off. And so he would always get a summer job. Well, after we built our house at Rutchford Lake, he would do like, you know, odd jobs around. So we were working, we actually spent the summer building, uh, one of dad's teacher's friends house. We, we built the house for him. 
and we were putting drywall up and uh, dad was holding the drywall up with the, one of those T-bars and I was setting the nails so that the two of us could nail the rest of it in. And um, I had one of those hammers that was kind of long and the end of the hammer had these points on it so that when you set the nail in the drywall, you could, it, the mud would catch in it easier. Okay. So there were these, it was, it kind of looked like a very small version of uh, a meat tenderizer. You know, you know how those look a small version of that. So I'm trying to get this nail in and I'm, I'm almost like I'm standing on this little stool and I'm almost like throwing the hammer at the nail, trying to get it in as quickly as possible. And I swung and I completely missed, did not connect and came right down and hit dad square in the forehead. <laughs> and, and he couldn't let go of the board. You know, I mean, he had to keep holding on the board and those little points gave him a little stipple effect of blood coming up out of, out of his forehead. So there were these little drops of blood in this square pattern on his forehead. And, you know, I thought he was going to kill me. OK, and he didn't. So that was the good part of the story. Um, but he was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> It's like, Dad, I missed. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, that that's the when you, when you said a memory, uh, that that's the first memory that comes to mind uh, of me and my dad doing stuff together. Um, it's funny now. It wasn't at the time. I I, I thought I was dead meat. I really did. <laughs> there, I have a list. Uh, an extensive list of I, I'm going to call them misadventures uh, that that uh, have have been imparted on me by my father throughout uh, the course of my life and and I'll actually talk about the adventure part of that later on but uh, so my my good dad story would have to involve the sex talk and it was fucking hilarious. Wow! Do you, do you remember that, Dad? No, I don't. Oh my god! So. He, See, there are certain things in my life that I blank out. I don't know why, but oh, you know, <laughs> same, totally, same thing, absolutely. Yeah, we. I, yeah. So, so here is this. Uh, he asked me to go help check the fence up in the patch. Something stupid. I'm like, what? What are we doing? And so we start walking up the the, the hill, and uh, and we get up there, and freaking, uh, and and he starts the conversation. As soon as he starts the conversation, I'm like, oh shit, here we go. <laughs> and, and I didn't say a word. So, so dad just kept talking for probably 45 minutes <laughs> as we're walking around in this giant fucking field with two cows, not looking at them at all. No fence. <laughs> and I remember the, the whole time, like I came, we came back from that. Um, Cause then we ended up walking like the entire property uh, forever, uh, it, which was, which was great. Uh, but I remember coming back and thinking, the fuck did we just talk about? <laughs> like, and I felt bad because, I mean, what what he was sharing, Dad, what you were sharing at the time was, uh, you know, it was uh, known knowledge. Uh, <laughs> you know, I had I had because uh, I think I was like 15 or 16 at the time. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I I'd figured some shit out by that time anyway. Uh, so <laughs> it was. 
<laughs> it was, it was, that was one of the, the, the funniest things I remember, just that, that walk that we just walked forever in a glorious awkwardness as you uh, imparted knowledge on the process of, uh, of you know, uh, human creation and uh, all of the fun, wonderful things that are associated with that. So, yeah, that was, that's, uh, you know. You know, did you ever think it was maybe just a refresher course for me? You know, <laughs> I I did feel as though I could have shared some things with you to maybe broaden your horizons a little bit. But, you know, say, that, that's a go. weird way to go about that, though. Yeah. yeah, it sure is. And I can't remember. I'm probably mixing memories, but I I, I feel as though the, the walk started poorly because we were being followed by a certain dog that we didn't <gasps> want. I'm, I'm pretty is... sure that was the time. That was it. Really? Yeah. Nice. Oh, see, I remember that. Oh right. my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Well, then, which we're not going to talk about, right? No, this, no, we're not going to talk about oh, that. No, because was... Peta, Peta is going to end up at my door, and they're going to lynch me. Yeah. Okay. Was, so, uh... but then here's the thing, though. Then that situation happened more than once because I remember yeah. a time where I, I was did it once. Yeah. Yes. Uh... So, Josh, and like I said, I might be, I might be crossing memories. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, so, so it may not have been that moment, but uh, okay. But we walked up that exact same hill, which was the the horsey right. hill, right? Yep. Yeah. We call that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, we walked oh, up. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. We had we had weird <laughs> names for all those hills. Um, yeah, we did. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, that was that's one of my uh, my good dad stories. So let's let's go to. Did it, did it scar you? I mean, I'm just wondering now. Did did that? Well, did that do irreparable damage to your psyche? Oh oh no! There were so many more things after that that it, that it have damaged me forever. That would, dad. Yeah, that no, wrecked you're your yeah, psyche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. That was it. Was one of those moments where uh, no, it, again that that looking back on it um, and and recollecting that that moment and. Uh, and I don't remember if I, I was trying to hide the smiles because of how how you were delivering that because you are an elegant talker you you can you can convey uh, information and ideas and all that thing very very well and and you were struggling so hard with this and I remember that was one of the the things I, I remember thinking was like man this guy can stand up and and give a, a thirty minute sermon. Uh, beautifully and eloquently, but he's he's talking about sex and he he can't put together a coherent <laughs> sentence. Like, what, what are we doing? But uh, but yeah, no, that was that's one of my my good stories uh, among many, among many. So let's <laughs> let's take uh, the story thing right and let's let's kind of narrow that down into our most memorable moment. So, Dad, we're gonna start with you on this one. Your most memorable moment with your dad. Um, uh, my, my dad ha has, uh, I think for, for quite a while, uh, felt, uh, awkward in dealing with, uh, my chosen profession. I mean, you know, um, uh, and that obviously being, okay, you need to lean forward here cause you're pulling that away. There you go. Um, you know, being a pastor was something that my dad could not relate to. He didn't get it. I mean, he, he grew up in the Catholic Church. He knew how to deal with priests. He knew how that worked. But this whole pastor thing was just kind of weird. So, you know, he would always ask me how work was going, you know, 
Um, and I, you know, I was just never quite sure how to convey that to him. Um, Jesus and, is doing fine, Dad. Jesus is doing yeah. fine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which which was which was not unknown to him. I mean, you know, he was involved as a lay reader and all that kind of stuff. But there was one time we were sitting in the car. I forget where we were. I think it was here in Michigan. Uh, we we were sitting in the car, and it it got really personal, really fast about faith and, and, uh, you know, how that works and, and, and how that worked for me. It wasn't about the job. It wasn't about what I did, but it was actually about faith and, and God and, and that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and he was engaged with that. You know, most of, most of our conversations, which were many, uh, you know, usually around the dining room table were, you know, they would turn into theological debates. Uh, and uh, he was, you know, he was a great debater, even if he didn't know what he was talking about, he still knew how to debate well. Um, and of course, that comes from the, the notion that he is always right. Uh, about what he's talking about. Um, but it wasn't that. It wasn't a religious debate. It wasn't a theological debate. This this was a genuine conversation about faith and presence and, and those kinds of things. And, uh, and that was the first time that I, I truly got to share uh, my heart with my father about about those things, about that very big and important part of my life, not just ministry, but, but my relationship with, with God, my relationship with Christ. Um, and that, that was a, that was a, uh, a very memorable time. I'll, I'll always remember that. Um, so that was, uh, I, can I dovetail on that for just a second? Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure, I, I think these are both about equal as far as memorable. Uh, wait a minute, where, where are we headed? Because maybe this fits into a different category. Um, so we're going to talk about things that we have been, that have been imparted on us by our fathers. Uh, okay. we're going to talk about, uh, some challenging things that we face as fathers. Um, okay. but, but you have creative freedom Dad. go for it. Okay. Um, uh, I, I will never forget uh, my, uh, mom called once and, uh, and we did all the chit chat stuff. And then she said, your father wants to talk to you. And it was like, it sounded like, you know, wait till your father gets home kind of thing, you know? So it was like, right. Oh crap, I'm going to get yelled at, you know, here I am like, you know, 50 years old and I'm going to get yelled at by my dad. Um, and, um, uh, and he got on the phone and, and it was a long phone call. And, and my dad usually doesn't talk on the phone very much, but he shared with me how after all of his life, even from infancy, uh, how he had been a part of the Catholic church and how he and mom had decided to leave the Catholic church. Um, and I mean, this was, he had spent more than 65 years in the Catholic Church. I mean, he was the only son of Irish Catholic parents. 
Um, so that was uh, that was the way it was. Um, and and for that to happen was was huge. And it was very difficult to, to find the appropriate response for that. Um, because I knew this was a huge decision and a big deal, but he he shared that with me and shared a letter that he wrote to their their current priest about their decision, um, and that was really that was amazing. That that was uh, probably the most the biggest glimpse I've ever gotten into my dad's heart. He's not you know very emotive. He's not, you know, doesn't share those kind of personal and emotional things very well um, or very often. Uh, and, and that probably is the most, the most memorable time uh, of that uh, for me with him. So anyway. Yeah, I remember us talking about that. Like that was, uh, I think I had called you about something otherwise. And you're like, hey, you got a second? And I was well, yeah, and then you you shared that. That was that kind of blew my mind. Uh, yeah. So I, I remember. I remember that was that was pretty crazy. So mine uh, mine was a wink. So when it, when we say a moment, it was literally a moment. And here's the backstory on the wink. So I am uh, a senior, uh, a rising senior in high school, uh, and I have just found out that uh, my high school girlfriend uh, is pregnant. And we are about to have a baby. And I got to share this with my mom and dad. And we're on the porch. Mom and dad are in the porch swing. Um, and that conversation didn't go well. It, it uh, Understandably so. Uh, very, very understandably so. And, uh, and my expectations were low going into that conversation. Uh, and I remember feeling, coming out of that conversation, I was so scared. And I was so, I felt so alone and uh abandoned even though I, I hadn't been right it was just that that crazy heavy feeling of emotion and wouldn't you fucking know we have an event at the church that night that I've got to go to um and we're in the basement of our church and I I'm I'm standing there and dad comes down the stairs into the basement and he's walking over towards like where the kitchen area was in this big open room and for the first time since the conversation, I make eye contact with my dad. And, and you winked. You winked at me. I remember that. And that wink, one wink, was an hour's worth of conversation telling me, you have a long way to go. You have lots of challenges in front of you, but I'm here. And, and that, that, that moment, that, that one wink changed, changed everything for me for that, that situation. And that, that one wink has been something 22 years later is still a vivid memory for me. Mm. Yeah, I, I remember that. I won't, I don't think I'll ever forget that. Joshua, share with us your most memorable moment. I think one that I come back to is 
um, um, it's almost in a, in a sense of, I'm kind of ashamed how I was acting in the moment, but the way that dad was acting, um, I look to aspire to, we had just gotten the information of us moving from Northern Michigan to Southern Michigan, you know, and at the time, you know, me being, uh, you know, 15, 16 year old, having all my friends in school and stuff being, you know, on the other side of the state, you know, moving all of that at the time seemed like a terrible thing. And I remember as soon as we found out that that was happening, I got exceptionally angry and, um, um, I guess nasty with dad. That's, that's the one way I can remember it. And I remember how, um, calm he was. And, and a part of me, like during that time I was remembering, it's like, okay, how can he be so chill right now? Like our whole life is changing. Everything's going to be different. We're, you know, nothing will be the same. I was like, how can he be this cool? And, and I think a part of me got angry at that. And it's like, why, you know, why aren't you upset? <laughs> and it's like, you know, but then of course now retrospect, I'm like, that's, that's basically what, you know, a part of a dad's role is, is to be that, um, that's stability. Yeah. Yes. Where, where everybody else is falling apart. The dad is there saying, you know what? I got it. And and sure enough, in that moment, I'm falling apart. And dad was there saying, hey, I got it. And so, because I actually remember we were at uh, KFC in Penfield. Yep. Which now that place is burnt down, but... <laughs> And, and uh, you didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, it was a grease fire, but but no, uh, but like honestly, even even driving by that spot, um, driving by there, even with it being burned down, there's a, a grass hill behind it that leads up to an apartment complex that's right there. I remember you and I just sitting on that hill for like good ten minutes, just not even really saying anything, just sitting there and so that building may be gone now but that hill is still there and honestly every time i drive by it i i think about that it, it's our grassy knoll <laughs> <laughs> just with less shooting yeah <laughs> really really too, too but, soon or... but, but it burned down so there still is <laughs> grotesque violence there i don't well, i don't know can, <laughs> right see the baseball park better from the grassy knoll <laughs> Yeah, what's that silly yeah. restaurant get out of the way? Is everything better? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, hearing moments, you know, and, and sharing uh, these these memorable moments, it, you know, there's so much just reflection on on childhood, and then the lessons that we that we didn't even know we were learning at the time, you know, have now come full circle as as fathers ourselves, you know, and I, and I, I can't speak for Josh and he can surely speak for himself, but there was, you know, so many things that happened, uh, growing up in our home as a kid that I, I had no idea what was, what was really going on at the time until, 
you know, now, you know, I'm a dad and, and I'm presented with all these different challenges and, and all these other things. And, uh, and then you realize then like, okay, cool. These were all these, these lessons and we were given tools and how to, how to do stuff and how to manage things. Um, and we didn't, we didn't even know it at the time. And that kind of leads us into where I want to go next. Uh, and Josh, we're going to start with you on this one. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and if you can try to try to narrow it down to maybe two, but what are, are some of the things uh, that have been uh, given to you? Um, not not physical items, but things, uh, uh, let's, uh, I don't know, behavioral, moral, ethical, whatever, things that have been imparted onto you by dad. Um, I would have to say, um, and I guess depending who you talk to, um, I would say... Uh, Patience. Um, I fucking missed that one. Damn. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm a very uh, um, passive aggressive person, and when you're like that, you have to learn to be patient because if you don't, you blow up. And and so, being that kind of a person, and just seeing how Dad has handled situations where in my head I'm thinking I would have royally lost my shit on this person if I had been in that situation and to know that he was calm, cool and collected. And it's like, that's something that I want to carry out throughout my life. And I feel like that's one for sure. Um, um, another one would be uh, uh, a love for uh, tchotchkes. I mean, grabbing random, things wherever you can get them and keeping them for however long um that would include rocks i have multiple rocks that are they're not box full of rocks but they're they're rocks nonetheless that i have collected um from all over and i actually have some on display in my house so you know um but and, and i think that goes beyond just you know i think a lot of it has stories um yeah. a love of story a love yep. of history a love of having some idea that this has lasted who knows how long and of course when you think about rocks in a way somebody would say well you just disturbed that story by taking it home with you <laughs> and but but then a, we we did that really badly once on the island different story for a different time we completely disrupted right. a historical scene but that's okay oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh, <laughs> they yelled at us at the time. It's over. Yeah, yeah, We're okay. <laughs> but it's not. The, it's not the last time that that um, Josh has run afoul with the park police. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Again, that's a story for another time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, just that, um, I think the cool thing about even when we did take those, like you know, the rocks that I have here, I now have something that's a story just for me and that it, I will always have it. And, you know, it may not be the story that it was carrying, but by me taking it, it now has a new one. And if for some reason, you know, one of my kids keep it, it becomes their story because then they get to say, yeah, my dad had it from this and it came from here, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah. I have, uh, I have, rocks as well um 
So that's that's definitely a, a thing. Uh, I had Which is different than stones. Correct. Okay, you also have stones, but they're different. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, is, will that get edited out? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We went straight to the nuts on that one. All right. But so uh, while I was deployed, I I grabbed rocks. Um, I, I I traveled a bunch while I was uh, during my my time in in Iraq and um, the different. Uh, bases that I, I had to go to for different things, I would grab a rock from that. And I tried to tried to bring those home. And then there was a couple of days, uh, big event days um, on our base where we were where we were stationed that I would I we you know, there were rocks everywhere and, and nothing was descriptive. It's just like picked up a rock and I would write a date on it, you know, um, and this was a rock that this this thing happened, you know, the other places I wrote locations on. Um, but I go, I went to ship everything home. We loaded everything up and customs went through and they took my rocks because they were organic material and we couldn't bring organic material home with us from this, this foreign country, which pissed me off so bad. And what was worse is the customs person was actually our, our supply sergeant and she was a, she was a bitch. Um, Cause then she pulled me into her office and was like trying to freaking scold me for bringing organic material home. And I look, I was like, just shut the fuck. All right, tell me I can't take my rocks home, and then let's be over it. I was, I was pissed. But yeah, the rock thing um, is so interesting. A- actually, rocks are inorganic, aren't they? Well, they have the potential to carry dirt and particles and oh, okay, and other right. things that are super I get it bad. Now. All right. And I was like, cool. Right. Well, then watch me run a steamer over them, and so everything's better. <laughs> <laughs> And she was just having a rough day, but anyway, but yeah, that was that's cool. Um, I'm I'm gonna say, uh, two things. Um, uh, the first being adventure. I, I have I have adopted uh, Dad's insane uh, desire for adventure. He would take us on adventures, um, and and I referred to them earlier as as misadventures because, uh, uh, you know, uh, some of the shenanigans that we we dealt with. Uh, with dad's adventures were, were always, you know, uh, memorable. And that's one of those, again, in hindsight with they, they give us wonderful stories of, you know, uh, things like grandpa D running around in his underwear, yelling, I'm Superman, uh, uh, going across one of the largest lakes in Northern Michigan during the summer in a canoe loaded down with gear. Why the fuck didn't we go around the outside? Oh, straight through the middle of that thing and almost died five times, but it's cool. Um, you know, but, but again, we look back on those and, it, and it's, it's wonderful, but that sense of adventure. And now my kids have similar stories of me saying a, a lot of them involve mountains um, because my kids and I uh, would go and hike. And uh, there's a couple of stories where Annie will tell you where <laughs> it's the dumbest thing she's ever done and got super pissed at dad, but, um, <laughs> uh, but the adventure and then, the other one, it, it ties into the song that uh, that I let in with today, um, and that's uh, the song is "The Family Table" by uh, Zach Brown and the Zach Brown Band, and he talks about in the song uh, what happened at the the family table, and the table has become an, a a relic for me, um, because that's where everything happens. And some of my, my my fondest memories of of the family and of dad happened around our table. They occurred at that table, and the actual physical table itself doesn't matter for shit. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's what happens around that table. And a couple of uh, succinct memories that I have: um, bringing girls home 
The introduction to the family happened at the table, and Dad put on his weirdo hat every single time and tried to freak them out. And if they stayed, they were cool. A bunch of them never came back. Thanks, Dad. You probably <laughs> saved me from bad decisions with that. But, um, but there, you know, there was there was more to it. I, holiday meals, uh, Thanksgivings, and I think that's where my my love for Thanksgiving, which is my favorite holiday ever, comes from, is is those those times being around the table together as a family. We're connecting, um, not with with stuff and not with things, but it's just, it's food and love and, and it's around whatever this wooden thing is. And one of the, the coolest things that, and I don't even think she realizes this, my, my wife has given me and she didn't even give them to me. She has created uh, two now tables, two dining room tables that are, that, that had more meaning to me than she'll ever realize. The one she built from scratch uh, which we don't have anymore. It, it and it was our, our it was our family table for years, and it was beautiful and got old and beat up and, and gross. And then the other one we have currently, but those the gifts of that table and what happens to those tables and taking that the value of a table and a shared meal on. And now you know, twenty years in the army, that has been our thing. Um, we bring our people into our home and we share a meal with them and we bring them around our table, and that has been. Uh, that has been our expression of acceptance and love to those people is when we invite you in and we sit you down around our table, you have, you have crossed over from that acquaintance to friend and family. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I think, so those, those are the the, the two big things that that I have been imparted on, um, by dad is, is that, that sense of adventure and then the value of, uh, the table, you know, I have to, I have to mention um, uh, when Grandpa D passed, uh, my mom's dad, uh, who was who was a leader in our family, and he he had a, a huge impact, and partly because he we lived in very close proximity to him for for many many years, and to to build the the funeral message, uh, one thing my dad does is he brings the family together to talk and just to have the family conversate about. The, the loved one that passed. And I remember that night here is Jesus. We had what? 20, 30 people around your table there in battle Creek. And we all start sharing memories and stories and we're, we're crying and we're laughing and we're crying because we're laughing. And there was th- this total presence of, it became a celebration. We lost a very dear family member, but here was this moment where there's so many people gathered around the table and it is just this glorious moment of celebration that, that, that dad is facilitating. Um, and he's, he's feverishly taking notes and he, and he beautifully wraps all of those stories into, uh, into grandpa's, uh, uh, funeral message, which I, which, which was just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So, Dad. Well, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, just a, a couple of things. Um, that that sense of adventure and the the table thing are both things that came from my dad. Um, uh, dad was, you know, we we went camping a lot. 
you know, they had a pop-up camper. I still have the lower, the lower section of that without all the canvas, okay, in, in the carriage house. Um, uh, you know, we, we hiked or we camped across the United States to California and then back along the Canadian border. Uh, he and I would take our flat bottom rowboat and put it on rivers and, and go for a couple, three, four days. You know, th that sense of adventure, uh, uh, he had not, not to the extent that I do, but, but that came from him. The, the table thing also came from actually both of my parents. Um, they never met anybody that didn't become their friends. I mean, we would have people at our table that were unknown to me, that didn't live in our community, didn't live in our state. I mean, it was just um, on our trip across California, we ended up staying with people that mom and dad met that day. You know, um, there was always somebody around the table. And, and for Sundays, that table was family, and that was the place where I learned as a teenager to be able to argue and debate with not only my dad, but my two grandfathers. Um, and, and, and that has served me well uh, throughout my life, to be able to listen to conversation and argument to be able to give my position and argument uh, in, in a passionate way without being angry. Um, and it, it, the, so that table in our, in our household when I was growing up was an incredible place too. So, so I'm, I'm very, very glad to, to hear about those things that that's, that's, that's kind of cool. And, and Joshi to, to, to hit on on your one thing, and I, I, this would be more of a, a lesson, I guess, um, that picture of stability or being cool under fire or trying to figure things out is, uh, you know, I think dads want to make things better. Dads want to fix things. We have this this inward compulsion to be able to do that. And so when everybody is losing their brains around you, you know, you're, you try to keep yours so that you can navigate through that. The dilemma in that for me personally, I won't say about any other dads, but for me, um, when there was a crisis, whether it was either in our family or in the church I was serving, I, I would drop into that mode and, and I would get everybody through it. And then we'd be on to the next thing. And I never gave myself a chance to deal with that situation with my emotions and stuff. And at one point in time in my life, that came back on me in, in the realm of what we call panic attacks. Um, there was a, a stretch of time uh, where, I, man, I, I thought I was going to die almost on a daily basis, if not, you know, more likely a weekly basis. I mean, it was it was terrible. And, and it was all because of that. It was all because I never gave myself a chance to experience fully those things that were happening to everybody else while I was trying to get that done. So I, I guess I, what I would say to you is as much as you want to emulate that stability and that, 
navigational uh, stuff through crises, make sure, gentlemen, that you take time for yourselves to experience those things. Maybe it's not right at that time. Maybe it's right after that time, but make sure that you do that so that you can also manage yourself through the crisis. Not, manage isn't the word, but help carry yourself through the crisis the way you've just done with everybody else, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, because that, that stuff, you just can't keep stuffing all that stuff under the rug. Uh, it just, it's not, it's not good. It's not healthy. And I, I know that from personal experience, it really sucked. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's sorry. No, not at all. That's, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. We don't, uh, I, you know, I, I don't process, uh, myself, you know, I don't mm-hmm. take that time process. To, that's the word to, right there to that's unpack. The right. And, and that reflection yes. time, that, that time to sit down and be like, okay, what just happened? How do I feel about it? How do I, you know, how do I manage what I'm feeling about it? And, you know, we, we look to provide care, uh, before to everybody else before ourselves. And then sometimes we just forget and we move yep. on and then, and then it does, it comes up and I've, I've experienced that too, dad, um, here in the last couple of years. Uh, there, there was an episode where I was, um, I was driving to the airport and Jill was with me cause she was, she was going to drop me off and then drive home. And I had to pull over because I, I, I experienced a, a pretty, pretty insane anxiety attack. Um, and, and to, to the point where I, I called, I have a, a good buddy of mine here who's a medic and, you know, I called him, I'm like, Gabe, he, this is what's going on. Am I dying? What, what, what the fuck's that? And he, he did, he's like, he's like Ian talk to me about your last two weeks. And, and I started running down my last two weeks. He's like, brother, you need a day off and you need to fucking breathe. You know? Um, he's like, you, you, this is you're you're fine. Physically. You're fine. This is just some mm-hmm. shit that you've got to process. Like in this, and he's, he's a, a medical guy that's, that's telling me, you know, this is, this is what's going on. And, um, and that's, that, that is an important thing, processing and taking that reflection mm-hmm. time to, to manage that out. Um, sure. You know, uh, I, uh, I say I have, <laughs> I'm kind of, a, at least I feel like I'm a, a poster boy for not dealing with it. Um, had, a uh, a number of situations early on in my marriage where I, I didn't, again, I tried to fix the problem. I didn't process the problem. And at one point I remember all these problems just kind of toppled on and, just caused me to go into a a state of you know not really being involved with anything just kind of living out my day and that um sadly enough went on for um for years and almost cost me my marriage um and it also cost me uh some very um intimate time that I had had uh, or could have had with my new son when he was born that now I feel like I am still making up for because like there will be times where uh, my wife and I will be talking she'll be like oh do you remember this when he was little and I'm like I have no recollection of that and and that kills me um so so definitely the whole not dealing with it is uh is huge you know, and I'm I'm definitely one of those one of those people who, when a situation comes up, um, I want to fix it. I want to be the one to be like, no, I I can do it. I can fix it. You know, it doesn't matter. Whatever the problem is, I can take care of it. Um, but the worst part is if I do fix it, 
and then don't take care of it or don't process it. I just fix it and then move on. Um, I know just because of how I am that that really hurts. And so I'm I'm still like, hey, I want to fix it. I want to fix it. But now I've learned to, okay, if I fixed it, now I need to process. But if I haven't fixed it, I need to make, I need to tell myself it's okay. It's okay that you didn't fix it because it will eventually get there. And then, you know, and that's something that's been huge in the past couple of years for me. Right on. So that, that kind of automatically kind of segues us into, into what I, you know, we are talking about next and that's the, the challenges we face as, as fathers and the things that we, you know, um, and, and challenges can, and, and I don't want to paint the word challenges in a negative connotation. You know, I want to, we have challenges that are good things. Uh, we have challenges that we, we have to overcome as a family and as, as dads that, that are, that we can celebrate, but there's also things that are, you know, challenges that suck, um, and things that we face as, <clears throat> as dads. And, uh, one of the, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the, um, one of the things uh, for for me specifically, the the hardest challenges is keeping my kids uh, resilient and um, open uh, to to stuff. As as you know, my most of my kids spent their entire lives uh, as army kids, and uh, frame of reference, you know. Our current duty station is the longest place we have ever lived in 20 years of, of service, and we've lived here for four years. That mm. is the longest time we have lived anywhere. Um, some places as short as just over two years. Some places, you know, the average has been two and a half to three years. And that causes them to, you know, to have to leave friends and re-engage. And when they're younger, it was easy. They, they would unplug and replug um as we as we continue down the road and the kids get older that gets harder because the relationships change you know the relationships as the kids get older are now more in depth and there's more to them uh, emotionally than there were to like a five-year-old has a the bestest friend ever you know and then the next day they have the different bestest friend ever well you know an 18 year old has a best friend that's a legit best friend you know and uh hello dad oh sorry things just froze up on me it was my computer not your guys sorry no worries uh so so one of the biggest challenges is how do you keep you know how do i keep my kids from shutting down emotionally and just completely closing off and and finishing and, and not engaging in anything and um they haven't which i think is is awesome uh, but that was one of my my biggest fears, and and anytime we got somewhere new, especially as the kids got older in their their early teens and mid teen years, um, getting them to plug in and engage and and make those relationships. And there was a couple times where the kids, you know, they they would say like, "Why? We're just going to leave." Well, yeah, that's true. We are, but let's let's make today good um, and go meet some people. And um, so that was uh, me specifically one of the the hardest things I've I've had to deal with as as a dad. Um, and also accepting the fact that my kids are no longer 10 years old 
and that I have to let them go make really stupid fucking decisions on their own and I can't stop them from that and allowing them to just be adults. Like that's uh, those those are my two two biggest challenges as as a dad. Um and now as we're we're moving into the adult kid range, it's uh, that that's a fucking adventure all of itself. <laughs> so, dad. Yeah. The most challenging thing that you have faced as a father. Well, and, and he's going to uh, say my sister. <laughs> which, which just one? kidding that's not fair she's not here to defend herself um uh well for me it was like uh, all of a sudden you're you're in fatherhood you know you're 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 immersed in it there you know and uh Unlike popular opinion, Dr. Spock really doesn't help you with that. Um, you know, I'm talking about the book and not the Star Trek character. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're, it's not a good manual. So, so you, you're dropped into parenthood with very little experience. So it's like you're, you're just kind of feeling your way along. And, and, and I, I, was, I was stupid enough for that not to be a concern or a worry. Uh, so I, I think, I think I, it would have, um, just, uh, wrecked me if I, if I would have really sat down long enough to think about the responsibility and what's happening. And here you are molding and shaping another human being, uh, you know, that I, I think that would have just absolutely, wangled my brain into something else, something other, you know? So fortunately I was, I was dumb enough not to consider that. Um, but, but then all of a sudden the, the real parenting part, um, you know, other than keeping them safe and keeping them dressed and keeping them fed and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, when, when they get to, starting to make their own decisions and, uh, where you can't like, like you said, uh, takes that not being able to, you know, decide for them anymore. You know, that, that transition is where you, you really start to have to earn your parental chops and navigate through that because that is a swamp filled with alligators. Uh, it, you know, where all, all there are, are just the eyeballs above the surface of the water. I mean, the water looks really nice, like you can just walk through it or wade through it and everything's cool. But there are these things just below the surface that are just ready to bite you in the butt. And, you know, it, it's just it, it, it that that's that's tough. Um, but then but then you end up with um, kids still at home and and kids that are often married and grandkids. And, and so now it's like, oh, crap. Okay, how, how am I going to manage this? Because now you have even less of a vote, uh, less of a say. I mean, you can't mandate things. And, of course, I'm, I'm really lean toward mandating things. I love that, you know. <laughs> 
Um, and, and you really can't do that. So, so then you have to learn a whole new way of influencing and coming alongside and, and helping to, to give wisdom uh, and knowledge, um, you know, uh, it, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a new phase, but it's no less daunting than all of the other phases of parenting. Um, I, I'm not sure that I like it much. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I love the grandkids. I love the kids. I love the spouses. I, I love when they come over, but it's like, oh my gosh, um, the things that you guys have to navigate with your children in this day and age I would not want to raise children now. I would not want to be raising children now. Um, because I, I, I think it would be such a, a difficult chore. Um, you know? <clears throat> and maybe it's all relative to the, to the time frame and the culture and all that kind of stuff. Um, I would not want to raise children that have electronic devices. Okay. <laughs> I was for, I was fortunate. Yeah. I was fortunate. None of my kids had electronic devices. Well, wait a minute. We had uh, what was Pong? I think we had Pong for a little bit, didn't we? The the, oh, no? the, the little plug-in thing. Are you talking yeah. about a video game? Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, from like the seventies. That, yeah, that was the closest thing we ever got to a device, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean we, we had we had a computer. Uh, in yeah, my, in that my wasn't teenage it. years. That, that wasn't, wasn't until we got up north, though. Right. I mean, so so the vast majority of your life, there, you know, the the closest thing you got to an electronic device was the was the miniature railroad setup that we had. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know? So so just navigating that with teenagers, I just I I just can't imagine trying to do that, trying to parent as that. So I, I'm so very glad <laughs> to. To be at the point where I am, I still dabble in some of the other stuff, but I'm not as responsible as I used to be, you know, because there's a couple of generations or a generation in between me and my grandkids. So um, I, I, I don't know that. Well, I don't know. Well, Parenting even it's tough. like even for us, one of the things that we struggle with is. Uh, you know, when we when we try to impart uh, knowledge um, on our kids about where they are in their lives right now is our our experience um, one generation away is completely different from from what they're experiencing. And my my high school experience, my young adult experience didn't have anything that they have now. And so trying to teach mm -hmm. them how to manage something that you're learning at the same time, uh, it sucks. It absolutely mm -hmm. sucks. And, and there have been lately, you know, my, my older daughters, they can, they can tell you, uh, cause I, I call them out all the time. Uh, they, you know, they're, they're social media warriors. And, uh, and, and so I'll hop on there and be like, all right, time out. Did you actually read what you just, you know, <laughs> posted as, as, as what your words are. And let's talk about that for a second, you know, and, uh, the, the current, uh, the current issues that our, our country is facing right now have provided some excellent conversation, uh, with my adult children. Um, so it, 
you know, but, but taking that back to, you know, when we're trying to tell them how we managed high school, well, shit, we were in, you know, we were in a, a, a tiny little town in a high school of this many people. Um, and, and, <laughs> and, and then back to that traveling thing, you know, my, my kid is about to be in his third high school in so many years, you know, so it's <laughs> of, of different various sizes and shapes and colors. So, um, so it's, yeah, it, it presents a, it's hard because our, what we, what we experienced in the lessons that we learned, we have to associate with what is currently their lives, you know, so trying to, to talk about social media and, and bullying, let's say, you know, um, I, I had bullies in, in high school and in, in middle school, but, but we fought it out, you know, and, and they were, it was in person. It wasn't this, this hiding behind a, a computer screen and on a keyboard, um, uh, you know, we were able to, to face that face to face. So, so how do you manage, you know, how do you manage that, you know, and how do you, how do you handle, a, a teaching your kids how to manage social issues that you never had to manage, um, mm. you know, and, and that, that's been, that's, but that sucks. That really sucks. Fuck you, iPhone. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. This is on uh, this. Uh, this podcast is on uh, on iTunes. I uh, thank you, Apple, for the amazing technological advances that you yeah, have right. provided. Please don't censor my podcast. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, it's that's it. Josh, what what are you? So you your your kids are still relatively young. So, Mm -hmm. and, and your kids are going to experience things totally different than, than my kids. And I think that's, that's one of the cool things is because Josh, I mean, you had electronics and shit growing up. I mean, the internet became a thing Uh, when I was a teenager, it became a tool for you when you were a teenager. Right. Like the only, um, technology I can ever remember having growing up were gaming systems but at the but at the time, um, I never interacted with any online options that were available. Like the first time I ever used it, it's hard online, to do, hard to do that with dial up. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I remember the first time I ever did any kind of online gaming. I think I was, oh, um, I was at least twenty two. I mean, I and I hadn't touched it at all. But like, I didn't get my first actual cell phone for myself until college i mean so i'm i'm personally i'm i see myself as an old soul so i didn't even i i like i the first um smartphone that i got was a trash smartphone at least in comparison now um i didn't have until after my first kid was born and you know just because i never saw it as a i I don't need it and but of course now i have everything you know apart from my soul on my phone but it's but seeing how the kids are reacting, or at least my kids are reacting to technology. Um, they they both have uh, Nintendo Switches, and the thing that sucks about portable consoles is they're portable. They can take them <laughs> wherever they want, and there are times where I have to snatch it out of their hand to be like, okay, you're about to run in a wall for the third time in a row. Stop looking at your gaming thing when you're walking. <laughs> you know, so I think it's a part of you know just for safety for them. Um, but I, uh, my wife and I, we, we talked about, especially knowing where the technology is and where it's going of like how we want to handle that kind of situation. So we already said, okay, no phones until this age. And up until then we have conversations with them about 
what we expect them to be using it for and to show responsibility for it. And we've already had this conversation with, uh, with my daughter who, um, who turned nine in uh, in January and she thinks she's entitled to a cell phone. And I laugh at her every time she says that. Um, and, you know, and I remind her every time I say, Hey, if you want a cell phone, show me that you, you can use one appropriately. Show me that you, that you, des- you have deserved or you've um, gotten the right to have one or whatever you want to call it. Um, and of course, and then, you know, a day later she'll do something where I'll go, Hey, I guess you don't get one. No. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's so weird. Like I feel a part of me is like, I'm just, I am half a step ahead of they are of my kids technology wise, because I was so slow to, to get up to the technology bar, I guess. Um, and I feel like I'm slowly still making those progress steps because at least when this stuff, I always want to be one step ahead of them. So if they think, oh, hey, I can do this and this and, you know, dad won't know about it. I'll be like, hey, you want to bet? Um, you know, and, I, and I've already had that opportunity to call my kids out. Be like, hey, uh, so did you do something you weren't supposed to? And, of course, they got that look in their eye like, oh, no, how did he find out? And <laughs> now, now let me tell you, as a dad – that is one of the most enjoyable moments I've ever had, and I don't know if that's right or not. It is. It is but. right. It is. It is one of those. It's one of the blessings about being a father. Uh, as as you stay a half a step ahead of your children, just remember that you're a football field ahead of me as far as technology. Okay. So if that helps you at all, uh, that's you know keep that in your back pocket for a feel good day. You know. Right. All right. But so it's, the. the the comparison between the two, right? So, uh, as a as a rebellious shithead teenager, I, I snuck out of the house. How Dad caught me was him sitting at the, the the kitchen table when I would, you know, come back home, and I thought I was so smart, right? Um, I would I would uh, our driveway had this big hill, and then it was a, a really gradual downslope into uh, where our house was. So what I would do is I would roll uh, up that hill with my car, and the moment I crested the hill. Uh, I would shut my, I would go to neutral and I'd shut my car off, keep my car in neutral and I would roll the car down the driveway, you know, uh, and it, which was really important because my car didn't have a muffler most of the time and it was really fucking loud. So, 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 you know, dad, dad would catch me because our stupid fucking dog, uh, went nuts anytime the door opened and, and that's how he caught me sneaking in and, and the things that happened from there, uh, you know, 23, 25 years later, um, I'm, I'm catching my son sneaking in because uh, of, a, of, of a shared iPhone message. You know, all of a sudden there's a, a ding in the family group chat and I open it up and, and he's asking his sister to come down and unlock the door. <laughs> <laughs> all right, asshole. Oh, like, here, awesome. here we go. Like, uh, you know, come on, man. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's funny to, to watch the, the, the uh, change, you know, uh, and technology grows and, uh, and adjusts and we, we adjust as parents. So I, I cut you off, Joshua. I'm sorry. What were you, were you going to say? Oh no, it's, um, it's, I think one thing that's a struggle is the little stuff, especially as you start to recognize the kids getting older, um, before uh, before we moved to our new house, we uh, there was a couple of houses right where we were living where um, our kids and a couple of the kids right there would always hang out. 
um, I remember one of the first times um, one of the older kids that hung out in the group said, hey, um, let's all of us go for a bike ride. And I remember it being one of the first times that we allowed uh, our, our son and daughter to go without us. It was their first step to doing something without parental supervision. And and it was um, terrifying, at, le- at least for me. And maybe that's just because I'm a I'm a freak out per- kind of person. So. So I remember, you know, and they were just in the neighborhood they were riding their bikes around is was is a quiet neighborhood. You know, it's a, a dead end street. So nothing really going on back there. But I remember that I think they were gone for the better part of like hour and a half that I can only ever remember my anxiety levels being that high only a certain couple of times in my life. And as soon as they came home, I felt like they had just come back home from wartime or something like that. It's like, oh, my God, you're still alive. You have your all your body parts. Oh, you know, so I mean, it's but then, of course, you know, a month later where they say, hey, I'm going to go ride my bike with so and so. I'm like, yeah, all right. See you later. And it's, you know, so like just having those moments of of realizing that they aren't your I mean, they'll always be my babies, but they aren't they aren't my babies anymore. They're becoming older kids and they're they're starting to look out for themselves and um. Honestly, like out of all the stuff that comes with parenting, um, that's the hardest is realizing that the kids you held and they were, you know, little bundles of, you know, little people (laughs) um, that they grow up, they go away, they they start fending from themselves. And yes, my kids are still very young and I'll still be able to you know, drop kick them, you know, for a little while longer, but it's, it's such a hard thing to grasp, you know, like my, my daughter, she's, you know, you know, she's only nine, but she's still, you know, nothing but, you know, legs and everything. And, you know, she's super tall, you know, every now and again, I'll still pick her up and try to hold her like I would when she was a baby, just because she will always be my baby girl. And, it's difficult, not just from a physical standpoint, but just an emotional standpoint. I'm realizing that, hey, this bundle that used to fit in between my arms now is draped all over the place and I can barely pick her up. And it's like, uh, this sucks, <laughs> you know, um, but it, as much as it scares me, it's super exciting to see how their personalities are developing and starting to see these these kids start to make their own decisions and and forge their own paths and um, slowly begin to um, find their identities on their own and not just from what they get from mom and dad or your friends or some where they're finding their own person and um, it's, uh, it's like a double-edged sword almost. It's awesome, but then it sucks. <laughs> you and at that point, you hope, man. I, I hope I didn't fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> please, please be the adult that I want you to be, because that means I'm not shitty, <laughs> you know. And that's, um, yeah, no, that's hey, hugs and and cuddles. You know, uh, our kids have always been super affectionate, and I'm super affectionate, and. 
you know, and, and that, that's been the one big thing, the change, uh, and, and how I value them. You know, I, I took for granted, you know, snuggling with the kids when they were, when they were little and they were lap size. And now my children are not lap size. Um, they are, they are, they're a full grown adults. Right. And, uh, the value of a, of a, and, and now it's, it's not snuggles and cuddles. It's more of like a, a hug, you know, a passing hug or, um, you know, my daughters every once in a while will come up and they'll, they'll snuggle in like on the couch and, and just hang out and, and cherishing those, those few moments. And, and I do immediately, I go back into some, some time frame when they were itty bitty tiny and, you know, they were, they were my cuddle bugs and, and now they're adults. And so it's, it's, I value those, those few moments I get so much between, you know, here and there. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Let, let me, let me tell you a story that I hope you remember and share with your children at, at, various times um uh, when after uh, mom and i were married and uh you and mandy were little we'd go and visit grandma and grandpa mcglynn and of course when we'd go to visit grandma and grandpa mcglynn it was mandatory that we get up on sunday morning and go to church with them which i did so very reluctantly in fact the first time we went to visit mom and dad as a married couple with a child in tow, they made me get out of bed on Sunday morning and go to church with them, which of course your mom and, and the children, whoever they were when they were there, uh, it must've been Mandy. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so, so anyway, in the Catholic service, there, there's a time where it's called the passing of the peace. And usually that's a, a handshaking thing, but with, with my mom, you know, it's always kind of like a, a kiss and a hug. You know, it wasn't, it seemed weird to shake my mother's hand, you know. But then, but then, of course, as you're going down the pew, you know, I get to my father. So, you know, that's the manly thing. You shake hands, right? Well, this one Sunday morning, uh, when we piled into the pew, and, and in their church at the time, we took up a whole pew. Okay, that's how small the church was. Um I ended up being next to my father. And so it came to the passing of the peace and we turned to each other and we started to embrace and we stopped in the middle. You know, we hadn't made body contact yet, but we had our arms out, you know, in that position and we just stopped and then, you know, reconfigured ourselves so we could shake hands. And, and as we were driving home from that weekend, I was like, what? what? What is it with that? What what is that thing? So I determined in my mind that the next time we went and visit them and we went to church, um, that I was gonna I was gonna hug my dad. So the next time we went, it was a passing of peace. Dad wasn't right next to me, um, so I went down the pew and I hugged my father. He held his hand out to shake me, and I hugged my father. Um, and from then on, every time we would go to church with them. I would, I would hug my dad. Um, I found out later that my father had never hugged his father. Wow. And, and mm. af after that, uh, after that passing of peace experience, um, he, when he would say goodbye to his dad, he would hug Grandpa Peter. Uh, your your great grandfather, um, and I was like, wow, that that 
was was really something else. And and now uh, there there is not a time when I greet my father or I say goodbye to my father that we don't hug and kiss each other. I'm not on the lips, okay? But you know, because he couldn't do that. That would be just <laughs> weird. Um, but we we hug and kiss. Um, and and I never would have mad, imagined that growing up with my dad because. Uh, you know, my dad, this is not a slam on him. It, it just wasn't part of his character. You know, Grandpa McGlynn was not a particularly affectionate guy. He was a funny guy. He was fun to be around, but he wasn't demonstrative as far as his affection went. Um, dad was, was pretty much that way. Um, so it wasn't until I was a father and, and married um, that I had a, a physical emotional encounter with my dad, um, which he then carried up the ladder to his father. So uh, that, that again, is one of those huge moments that just kind of, it just happened so, you know, accidentally, so to speak, you know, um, just a very cool thing. So yeah, keep hugging your kids. <laughs> sharing, uh, sharing affection you know, and, and I, I remember growing up, that was always, I feel as though we, we were uh, an affectionate family. And that presented a unique challenge when uh, Jill and I got married because their family was, which was much like, you know, uh, grandpa and his dad, where uh, I remember the first time I hugged Ken, uh, Jill's dad. Mm-hmm. And it, it was painful. Uh, it was at our, our reception, you know, uh, thing that we did out at the uh, the YMCA camp and, yep. and him, him and Cindy had done a lot of work to to get that thing going so at the end of the night I went up to him and you know and I, I said you know hey you know I, I called him dad I was like thanks dad and I, I uh he and he did that same thing like reached for my hand right to like shake my hand and I I've just kind of pushed his hand out of the way came in and, and hugged him and he like fingertip touched my back you know what I mean? It wasn't like a, <laughs> I, I, I went in full contact squeeze and he's like, it, it almost felt like a, like, uh, cooties, uh, cooties. But, um, it was, uh, you know, but again, after that, uh, you know, we would, anytime I, you know, we would come visit, not, not anytime. Um, it, it happened more often. Let me put it that way. Uh, sure. cause he, he remained, uh, he remained not uh, an affectionate person. Um, and so that's, it, that's been a real interesting dynamic in our, in our own family is, you know, you have me who's, who's very outwardly affectionate and Jill is, is not so much, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to the kids and that's, it's been very, uh, interesting that they get the kind of the, the, the most, the best of two worlds. And when the kids, it's, it's funny to watch, you know, they'll go to like, you know, snuggle up with Jill and, and she, she, looks like her father, uh, in those times where she's like, she'll, do, she'll, she'll do like the pull in and like squeeze and be like, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. Now you go away. <laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> so it's, but yeah, it's, that, that, that's a great, that is a, a great story and, and something I had, I had never heard before and how awesome that it can have not just a, a downward effect. And, and when I say downward, I mean, generationally downward, you know, mm-hmm. but upward as well. Yeah. You know, the fact that 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 inspired him to go be affectionate with his dad because of an action of his son, uh, you know, is uh, that's fantastic. That is that is absolutely fantastic. So it was it was surprising to me 
to to hear that story of him embracing his father that you know because that's I I don't know that I ever hugged Grandpa McGlynn Grandpa Peter that is I I don't know that I ever did that I don't recollect that Um, which uh, you know it's not like I went through life going oh my grandfather doesn't love me because he doesn't hug me you know I, I, I never experienced that um, I knew my grandfather loved me because whenever he got a bowl of ice cream for himself, he got one for me. <laughs> uh, no, no kidding. Uh, yeah. No kidding. He never ate ice cream alone. Okay. Um, uh, so uh, anyway, that, that was just, that was just, uh, <coughs> I don't know. Uh, interesting. Mm. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, Awesome. Awesome. I, uh, I, I think, I think that, uh, that's going to wrap it up for us, uh, for today. We're, uh, I know, uh, dad's got to go get behind a pulpit here in, uh, in short order and, uh, and share. Yeah. Couple, couple hours. Yeah. Not about fathers though. No, no fathers today. No, no, it's about wisdom. Although it could <coughs> be about fathers, but no, it's about wisdom. potato, potato. So, yeah, really. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I, I do want to share one thing, though. Uh, an interesting dynamic uh, in growing up in, in our home was you hear the, the phrase, you know, when you get in trouble as a kid and your mom would yell at you and she'd be like, wait till your dad gets home. <laughs> and And for some people that would strike fear and it would motivate them to, you know, to be like, uh, you know, oh shit, now I got to behave and, and do all this other stuff. So I, I have to share with you that when my mother would utter those words to me, my heart would fall into this state of total calm. And I would say to myself, thank God, because mom's going to whoop the shit out of me. Dad's just going to sit me down at the table and talk to me very sternly and make me feel bad about myself. And I can manage that way better. <laughs> See, I I was almost the opposite. I would rather get yelled at by mom because then I could just clam up and not say anything. But the worst thing is when dad would sit there and not say anything. And just look at you he over would the top just, of his glasses. He would look at me over the top of his glasses. <laughs> like a real remember, asshole. Yeah, I remember one instance. Um, here's mom, dad sitting at the head of the table. I'm standing up in the kitchen and mom's on the long end of the table and she's just going and going and going. And of course, you know, with, with that, I, I could easily just kind of tone it out every now and again. I, I do a quick glance over at dad and he's sitting back in his chair with his arms crossed and he has his glasses down on his nose and he's just doing this stare over. And I'm like, man, this would be so much easier if dad wasn't here. <laughs> You, you realize that I looked over the top of my glasses because I, I never had a pair that would actually sit up on my nose, okay? They just naturally fell. I have to push my glasses up all the time. So it's not like I would pull them down into a position so I could look over them. They were right. already there, you know? So uh, anyway, I, I can't take full credit for that. I, I think that may be how it started, but I definitely, that became a learned behavior because <laughs> right? that, that would draw a reaction. Uh, and, and I think all yeah. of, all of the siblings would agree, uh, to that. Exactly. Like you, the, once you got the, over the glasses, look, there was a, a change in the conversation and, uh, and the entire demeanor of everything changed. And, and cause I remember Mandy, my older sister talking about that and, and she, because she was the first kid, 
you know, she she bore uh, uh, most of the brunt of of the, the over the glasses look. Um, I think my my shenanigans as a, as a kid were much more dramatic, but hers were just more plentiful uh, in smaller <laughs> scales. So, um, but uh, but yeah, the the over the glasses look was a was a was a thing. Um, that uh, it may have started off by a, a pair of ill-fitted glasses, but it definitely it definitely became a a, 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 a what's the word I'm looking for um, a learned uh, behavior to draw a response because it would obviously be like, oh, obviously shit. because I'm I'm I have passed that on to most of my grandchildren because they they make reference to that you know the over the glasses look oh yeah yeah so. With that, uh, I am going to uh, close out by saying, uh, Dad, I love you. Thank you for giving me all of the tools that I needed to, to become who I am. Thank you for imparting on me the sense of adventure the, the importance of family, um, the importance of, of unconditional love, uh, because I know that there have been many times where uh, I am not a likable character, but there was never a moment where I ever questioned your, your, your un, unconditional love for me, and that's something that I have been able to, to, to pay forward. Uh, so... Although I, I celebrate you on a daily basis uh, today, um, I want to say thank you, and I love you, and uh, as far as dads go, um, and I don't give a shit what anybody else says about this, um, you're, you're the number one in the Hall of Fame, and they can argue that with me if they want to, but they'll get a fuck-off response. <laughs> Remember early in the in the podcast, you talked about uh, how you receive or don't receive uh, words of of gratitude and encouragement. Yeah, well, they, I know where you got that from. <laughs> um, thank you, uh, thank you, uh, and I love you too. And uh, as fathers, you're always wondering, okay, is it working? Is it going well and then you have these oh no say yeah yeah it <laughs> it works to to some level <laughs> so that's good that's good all right well see i have i have the the privilege of getting to see my father later so i'm and i'm not great with words so i'm better with with hugs so i'll uh, dad will get the father's day hug later all right well thanks asshole Well, gentlemen, thank you for joining me this morning. I, I always, always, always love uh, our conversations uh, uh, individually and collectively. And, and I have really, I know this is just the second time we've done this in this capacity. We've had 
uh, many conversations together over the course of time, and all of them are uh, memorable and joyous and um, things that I, I, I hold very near and dear to my heart. So uh, with that, friends, I am going to uh, wish you the best of days. Get out there and celebrate your father. Get out there. Uh, give him a call. If you can reach out and touch him physically, reach out and touch him physically. Just remember to wear a mask and wash your hands. Uh, and uh, and I, I wish you a joyous week. Be good to one another. Cheers. hope you enjoyed today's episode and as always if you have any comments questions or would like to join me at the bar questionable life choices for an episode hit me up on email at whiskeyhistory at gmail.com cheers <laughs>